Countdown for blast off. X minus five, four, three, two, X minus one, fire. of the Forgotten My Dice podcast. I'm your host, Jonathan Edwards, and with me, of course, the specialized media experience to my cinematic universe marketing, Mr. Robert Lundgren. How you doing? Hello, hello. Didn't get you that time. Nope, nope. Almost, almost. There was a moment. There was a moment where my brain had to do things three times, and it was close to, to, a, to a bad thing, but uh, we made it through. I, I very specifically used big words. <laughs> I, I invite the challenge. I am enjoying the challenge. <laughs> well, as usual, let's kick this sucker off with a big old thank you all, to all of our patrons over at Patreon. You guys are helping us keep the lights on in what I can only describe as a uh, entertaining yet uh, much like Dead Heat. You find yourself scratching your head at the end going, what did I just do? People love us. That's fair. I mean, we're lovable. You're lovable. I think you're very lovable. Oh, really? Yeah, absolutely. I do elicit that in people. I don't know why. I'm like Oscar the Grouch lovable. Yeah. People love me, but it's because I make them laugh, but only because I'm grouchy and I'm not afraid to just spit out what grouchiness I have. Mm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, then uh, today is your day, Jonathan. Happy National Do a Grouch a Favor Day. You know what's really funny? I made that reference without having even looked at the next line wow <laughs> that's a little creepy yeah well it's it's the day of your people it's my day yeah. i love it i'm so happy yeah february 16th everyone knows a grouch and some of us may even be guilty of being one <coughs> fair i'm uh, i'm gonna allow it yes true next <laughs> On February 16th, maybe you can be the one to find the sweeter side of a grouch. Find out their favorite baked good and surprise them with it. Listen to their grumblings and grumble along with them. Or just visit them or help them with something difficult. And while you're doing that, use that hashtag. Do a grouch a favor day on social media. You know, if the world wanted to do me a favor, they would just not say dumb things for an entire day. There's a lot of people, man. That's a tall order. Yeah, I know, right? And that's like my specialty. I, I specialize in saying dumb things. Like no, you would but just your have to dumb talk. things are, yours are lovable. I'm, I'm talking about, you know what I'm talking about. I mean, we just went through political I know. season. We had a lot of dumb things to talk about. That's true. That's true. I, I try to do the, the, the Steve Martin, uh, you know, uh, inte- uh, intelligent dumb thing. Where I say something dumb, but it's because I know about something smart. And, you know, I have to be kind of bright to get it that wrong, if that makes sense. Yeah. No, I'm with you. I'm with you. Raising Hope and uh, my name is Earl specialized in that humor too and I love those shows. Oh man, great. Earl's such a good show. Done <laughs> done well before it's time. I could have done another 20 seasons of that to be fair. Yeah. Well, have you seen the his follow-up show to that, Raising Hope? Yes, it's just as funny. Yes, good. 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 That only lasted 3 seasons, I, which my, also was not enough. My favorite episode of that is where he scares the living bejesus out of his son just so he can get a hug every year. <laughs> and when he's when he's standing there arms wrapped around him just oh that's the good stuff yeah yeah that is the good stuff or you know you could just be an emotionally mature like you know human being from the the 2020s and just you know 
give affection to your child without having to have a reason. Oh, I mean, I, I we do know. that all the time, but I could definitely see myself if my children pulled away from me, scaring the living bejesus out of them just to get one more hug. Mm, mm-hmm, I could see mm-hmm, myself mm-hmm. falling down that rabbit hole. <laughs> no, we are uh we're we're very hugs and kisses in this family. We're we're not afraid to show our affection. Same? I don't know. Was I supposed to follow up with something? I don't know. I don't know what they, you, you know how this is. <laughs> As usual, we're winging it and probably failing miserably. But thanks to the power of editing, this will sound reasonably intelligent by the time Positive it comes. Positive podcast. I don't, you know, we've been doing this long enough. Editing on this isn't that hard, actually. No, we've gotten much, much tighter. Yeah. But I do have that yeah. occasional moment where I just start, you know, beepity bleep 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 bleep. I know you got to cut all those out, and I'm sorry, because I've got a terrible mouth. I found a new bleep noise I'm going to try out with this episode. I'm so excited. <laughs> Tell me how it is. Well, I'm not going to force it, but you know it's coming. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I found, I found one in the middle of editing, and I almost switched mid-episode, but I'm like, no, I'll be consistent, and then I'll switch it next episode. So, yeah, I'm is looking like, forward to the new bleep. It's like an old, like, 1920s, ooga! <laughs> no, no. See, I was using microwave number three, but I found, I think it's robot number five? Oh, that sounds sure. good. That sounds right up my alley. I like, yeah, uh, yeah. I like that show um, uh, or that, that YouTube uh, channel, The Corridor Crew, because they got one of the guys to make this weird like sound. And then they use that to beep out the curse words. So you'll just be listening to somebody talk and all of a sudden in the middle of it, you'll go, oh, mother. It just <laughs> always makes me giggle. It's the dumbest thing in the world, but it always makes me giggle. Having watched Rick and Morty and now South Park, uh, both censored and uncensored, I got to say censored South Park's a lot more funny. Uh, censored anything is more funny. There's a, I think it's a Sesame Street censored. Oh yeah, where yeah. Somebody, somebody goes through and just beeps random words on a Sesame Street episode, and, and just it takes it from educational oh. to friggin' hysterical. Oh 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 oh, Jonathan. Oh, remind me to send you a video during the break All that right, you can fair, watch. Fair, it's it's, fair, it's the classic. Dinkum. It's the it's the OG that will yes yes. Yeah. And and my fair dinkum, that's an internal reference. If you're a longtime fan, congratulations on those bonus bonus points that you just scored. (laughs) (laughs) Moving right along, it's time for our first segment. That is, of course, the -the off-the-shelf segment. That is where we talk about all the wonderful things that we've had off of our shelves, onto our tables, and into our hearts. And, man, Brendan and Ray have been on fire. Yeah, yeah. Well, they chatted with us over on that Discord. Go chat with us over on that Discord, I guess. Yes, you too. You too can gain internet fame by getting a mention on our show should you play a board game and let us know about it. It's that easy, kids. So much internet fame. Like, let it just spray all over you and rub it into your face. I feel like that should be beeped out. (laughs) (laughs) Just beep! All right. I might do it. If it's funny, I might do it. I give it a shot. I think it will be. Okay, okay. This this is terrible. This is terrible. It's so stuffy up in this up in the you room I'm recording well, this in right is now. Stuffy today too. We're we're yeah. in that, that odd kind of territory um where we're getting really, really cold nights but really, really hot days. And so you never know whether to turn the AC on or the heater on, and it's never the right answer. Well you're gonna get we're gonna get snow. We're gonna get the same snow. 
that Arctic blast is going to blow through here and blow through. Austin yeah, we're, we're supposed week. to get snow next week. There was a chance for snow this week, last week, but it has since evaporated and become a thunderstorm. Um, but now next week they're saying snow. Well, I, I, I thought it was, th- well, whatever. This is, this is riveting radio because it'll have already happened by the time this comes out. Yes. So tune in to the next episode to find out if it actually snowed. in other news the internet exists and you too can follow along with our local weather every day if you so choose there you go all right well let's talk about yeah let's talk about what what brendan's been doing he's top of the list here i don't know how you stacked it but he just happens to be on top so let's go with him first well i i did it i did it as we do it in the script so we can we can mix it in with the segments or we can we can do them first what what do you want to do bees but seeing it spelled like that, I can't help but to wonder if they're after nuts. Mm, intriguing. You know? Right? Yeah. Like, if you yeah. have to ask that question. Brendan's playing, been playing bees, spelled with a Z, so you know it's cool. Uh, Pandemic Le- Legacy Season Zero. Pragda Caput Regat. Wow. Is that, is that, is that Latin? Uh, let me take a look. Hold on. I was looking up bees because I'm curious. Oh, my God. This game's adorable. Oh my god, it's super adorable. Aww. Look it up. Oh, there's little beehives with bees on top, and they have clear little wings. This sounds like Amazon's gonna get money from Jonathan during the recording of the podcast. It's, 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 uh, the chances are high. No, that is super cute. Right? I like the art style. You know, I thought Bees was like a kid's game or something, and maybe it is, but it's it, the art is super classy. It, it's lovely. Like it, I don't. I, I'm having a hard time associating the extreme Bees spelling with the art on hand. Well, maybe Bees with an S was taken. Who knows? Well, they do have clear little wings. Aren't they adorable? Adorbs. Yeah. By the way, I'm now looking at our show notes. That is Praga Caput Regni. There you go. Wow, I, I sounded very Klingon there. Yeah, you did. Praga kaput kregni. <laughs> Drink some blood wine, brother. <laughs> no, that is not Italian. Uh, regni is uh, definitely Latin. Yeah, that's what I said. I said it Latin. And he's also excited that Res Arcana is on Board Game Arena, and he'd love to play with us. I'm down. He'll have to teach me. I don't think I've played Res Arcana. Maybe we should do it on a Sunday or something. I am totally down. The Sunday Sunday game nights have been live. Fun. And then uh, speaking of Sunday game night, you and I and Ray were playing something, and I, I was it me that mentioned Nuns on the Run? I don't probably because I I haven't played it. <laughs> well, I made a Nuns on the Run reference, and then Ray whipped it out and played it with his family. Which uh, yeah, Nuns on the Run's good fun. Don't you feel like weird and powerful right now, where you sitting in Texas somewhere got? Like inception somebody in another state on another coast practically and got them to do something. Isn't the power we wield fascinating? It is. It's strange. The internet's a strange place. I don't mm-hmm. know why I switched into walking. <laughs> it just kinda happened <laughs> organically. When did I become the straight man for Christ? I don't sake? know. When what is uh. wrong with us? We're broken. Uh, I don't know, man. I don't know. I mean it's fine. Straight man's I, harder. I I, pra- I practice you, being the straight man. I'd say you need more coffee, but you you drink the decaf, so it's not really going to improve the situation. It's just going to make you go to the bathroom. Uh, oh God! If I had coffee this late, I'd be up until like 
3 a.m. I, I made that mistake the other night. It was awful. Oh, man. Like, Amelia snuck a sip off of uh, Jessica's coffee the other day, and she went ape for about 20 minutes. It was the craziest thing I've ever seen in my entire life. Nice. She likes... It's like cats with catnip. Yeah, she likes bitter drinks. So she's now actually always asking Jessica for coffee, and I I don't know how she got her cup that day. It was crazy. Like, we looked over, and then she had put the cup down, and then about five minutes later, she went into overdrive. Nice. Never again. From now on, I told Jessica we have to keep the coffee at, you know, like chest level and above. All right. Well, tell you what, why don't we talk about our board gaming experience so we can like tie it in with the, the you know, not, All right, so not doing separate with board games this week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So we, shall we uh, shall we talk about the two that we played together? Yes. Yes. That's always a good place to start. All right. Well, we've already talked about Welcome to on the show quite a bit. We've been playing it for a few weeks and we continue to play it. And I yeah, and you, I'm wrecking. I'm, you're having a great game. I'm wrecking right now. It is good. I've had two great games. I won the last one, too. <laughs> I know. I know. I, I'm doing OK this game. I was doing much better last game, but I don't know. Like, I feel like I'm right on the cusp of something, but I've, I've had a couple of unlucky draws. I, I've been able to play everything, but it's made me miss out on some points. I had a big I had a big swing this last turn. Yeah, that's true. I saw that. It was cool. Yeah, it's, it basically gave me 25% more points than I did before. So that was a good swing. But, you know, I'm still definitely trailing behind. Yeah, uh, no, the, the game's interesting. I, I haven't actually ever played a roll and write. So I guess this is a card and write, but whatever. Uh, same thing, practically, I guess. You'll have to tell me a good roll and write that hopefully I can get from the library to try because I'm, I'm kind of fascinated with the concept. Fair. Although our will... printer's broken, so maybe I have to wait. That's we'll one see. way to do it. I didn't even think about that when you run out of paper in the game. Yeah, just print one. Yeah, I'd assume the ones from the library wouldn't have any at this point, so yeah, I'd have to print them. But I mean, that's a pretty fair assumption. Yeah, but I can't print right now. So, okay, pin, put a pin that. <laughs> we'll come back to that when we get a new printer. My, my <laughs> wife keeps trying to fix the printer, and it, 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 it hasn't happened yet. Sorry, Gina. Sorry Who's to throw you under the bus there. Anyway? Uh, Brendan's? Oh, come on, Brendan. <laughs> come on, listening to this in the future after we've probably completed this game. And then uh, with Ray last Sunday, we played The Crew, the quest for Planet Nine. Man, it's like the most obtuse first five minutes that you'll ever have in a board game experience. But then once you get it, it's the easiest thing in the planet to play. Yes. Which is not to say that the game is easy to win. No. It's just easy to play. It's easy to get the rules. Yes. Yes. But it's, it's real obtuse when you first sit down and try and wrap your head around it. It just like... It's like something out of a Cthulhu book. It's like it defies reality. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it's a trick-taking game. So basically the way it works is it starts out pretty easily with, uh, you know, somebody has to, like, win a trick involving a, a specific card. But then as it goes on, it's like, you know, this one has to be done first. This one has to be done second. This one has to be done third. This one has to be done fourth. And you're not supposed to, like, really share much about what you have. So organizing that and making it happen can be difficult. I mean, I think we were bending the rules a little bit when we do something. It's like, I'm feeling pretty good about this, guys. Feel pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. You and I both made some terminal mistakes. Yeah, yeah. Well, it, it's like a puzzle. It's like working on like a logic puzzle with people. It's it's fascinating. Yeah, it's pretty good. That's what I really enjoyed about it most was it, it's teamwork, but in a unique fashion. And uh, yeah, no, I'd highly recommend because it is one of those games where, you know, you're not competing. Everybody's working together, which those games are fun. 
because I get a little spiky sometimes and, and I don't like it. So, but when we are working together, it, it, I can't, I can, I can, I can allow myself to be spiky because it helps everybody at that point and I can bitch about the game. So there you go. Well, um, then I think you're really going to like what we talk about later today when we get to our deep dive, because it's all about that co-op. Groovy. All right. So what have you been playing? Uh, what have I been playing? Well, welcome to and the crew, of course, uh, as we discussed. And I've also been playing this week's deep dive game a lot. Uh, Marvel Champions getting ready for the deep dive. But we'll be talking about that in a little bit, which means the only thing that we haven't discussed yet is I, I got some horrified in. Oh, yeah, because we actually it's a while ago that we talked about taking that off the shelf again. Yeah. yeah. So how is it a year later? Uh, just as awesome as it ever was. It's super easy to teach. It's super easy to get out and... The kids all enjoyed it, and we had a great time. We worked together. Thinking back on it, it kind of reminds me of Arkham Horror, although probably not nearly as hard. No, it's and much less convoluted. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but it's it, it's a map, and the monsters are stomping around the map, and you're you're trying to stop them by working together. Yeah, so it, it's it's Arkham Horror without like you know the insanity of Cthulhu thrown into it. Yeah, so my my ex had gotten it, and we're we're all friendly, we're all on good terms, and the kids. Um, it'd been a while since the kids had played it, uh, that I share with her. And so, uh, they came over and they were asking me about the rules. And I said, well, there's only one way to do this. That's to get it out on the table and iron out the rules. And then we can, um, we can figure out what you're doing wrong. And then we called up their mom and, and had a quick little chat. And now they're playing it at their house too. So horrified has expanded. Ooh, man. I wish they would expand for horrified. I would buy some more movie monsters. That'd be great. (laughs) i really really like that game it is so much fun yeah so that's it for board games uh where do you want to go next we've got uh i see some video games oh we should talk stay on the games and talk about delta green that you and i played together yes yes we did oh oh it feels like i've come home delta green dude dude delta green has weight with us do you you know that the whole reason this podcast exists is because of delta green that's fair. That's fair. And here we are playing it now, which is awesome. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Cause I covered, I wanted, okay. So the Kickstarter happened ages ago, ages ago, and I wanted it to get more money. So I was, and, and so I was like, Oh, I'll be on your podcast and I'll, 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 well, at first I was trying to give you a rundown so you guys could do it. And, and it, it's convoluted as hell. So eventually you're just like, could you come on and talk about it? I'm like, yes, which was the right. Yes, call. I can. Which was the right. <laughs> Cause let me tell you, I, I would need to sit down and attack it like a doctorate paper or something to to oh fully, yeah to fully embrace it. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of there's a lot of lore. Um, very lore dense setting. But uh, yeah, the the gist of it, the the elevator pitch, the high level thing is it's X Files with Cthulhu. Like that's it's not exactly that, but it's close enough. And the funny part is they came out roughly at the same time. Uh, so they were kind of both sort of tapping into the same sort of thing in the zeitgeist at the time i guess but yeah you you, uh you play agents who are in the government and you also work for delta green who hunt down the cthulhus and that is kind of what you guys did i i ran um and i i never actually played the delta green system before like none of us had so i ran the uh quick start adventure that's free uh it's you get it in a, a product called need to know which you can just get for free if you want to check it out and uh yeah you know we we played through that you guys made your own characters but uh yeah we just played through that and it was good times yeah. Character creation was fun. That was pretty straightforward. Yeah, yeah. I it it's funny. It's like a really really old system. The the basic because Call of Cthulhu is old as heck at this point. 
And uh, but it's interesting. They put some of the more modern story game like twists or rules things into it, you know, like with the bonds and trying to come up with a story with that. And bonds are uh, people, actual people that, you know, that help keep you sane. But you also leaning on them to, you know, dump on uh, can lower your score with them and uh, break that relationship, which can happen in the game because, you know, it's ultimately it's ultimately about going insane and losing everything because that's just how Cthulhu play. Good times. So what'd you think of the adventure anyway? What'd you think of the adventure? Uh, spoiler alert, if you want to play Need to Know, it's it's very short, but yeah, but here we go. Um, I would say this. I see where the system is going. I was looking for more mystery. It was a lot more straightforward than I anticipated. It wasn't an X-Files long-term episode. It was definitely one of those one-off fillers. Yes. And there's nothing yes. wrong with that at all. No. I'm, I'm just no. saying... That particular adventure is not uh, as deep as I I think the world wants to go. And it felt like this system was was straining at its its britches to, to go somewhere else. Yeah, I, well, I, it, it is the quick start adventure. It's there to kind of get your feet wet, you know, yeah. basically yeah. play one session and, and get done. And then want to go buy expensive books. <laughs> it had one of the hallmarks of that game. Players who, who come from, you know, D&D and all that, they sort of expect things to makes sense at the end, you know? And sometimes in Cthulhu adventures, like you win because nothing bad happened, but you don't exactly know why sometimes you understand, you know? Yeah. 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 And yeah, that game had a little bit of that where, you know, you guys didn't exactly piece everything together, but you, you stopped the bad. So hurrah. <laughs> well, I had fun. That that's at the end of the day, that's what's most important. Right. And I had a ton of fun and I, uh, uh, yeah, I can't wait to play another game. Yes, we're going to start Impossible Landscapes proper next time, and you will get your mystery. Oh, boy. <laughs> will you get your mystery? So, right, and th- enough, that that enough. that adventure is much slower because it's, you know, it's a giant book. Like, it's a four-part adventure. So, yeah, we'll have more time to kind of delve into things. That Yeah. That one, that one was there to just kind of like use every system and get your feet wet, which, which I wanted. Like, I, I think that was good for us to, you know, get a handle on the system before we, you know, do- dove into something a little bit harder. Cause I, I don't actually expect us to get into a combat like the first session at all. And, you know, like coming into that way later. And yeah, I just, I, it was nice to get a taste of everything. Anyway, well, I'm glad I, you had fun. I really enjoyed it. So you and Brendan watch Class Action Park. I told you I would. And I did. Yeah. Dear God. <laughs> like the entire time I'm sitting there watching it, I'm like, half of me saying, yeah, I grew up in the 80s. That rings true. Things were different. Like, I, okay, like true story. I was, I was sitting looking at a map of San Diego the other day and um, Jessica was in the room with me. And we were talking about like how life had changed. And I said, yeah, look on this map. Like, because um, we're planning a vacation there. Uh, and I said, well, after the Rona, but we're right, that right, desperate yeah. that we're doing our planning now because, like, what else do we have to do? We don't go anywhere. Yeah, it's the carrot. I get it. I get it. So we're looking at the map, and I'm like, look at this. I, I would I would ride on my bike 10, 15 miles away from home on a regular basis, you know, and I was 10, 11, 12 years old, which is Carlos's age. We both look at each other and we're like, yeah, no, that wouldn't happen today. He would not be going no. 10, 12 miles from his home in Cedar Park. And this is as a common area as it gets, but the world is different. I, I don't know how else to put it. So I'm watching this documentary and I'm sitting there. I'm like, yeah, 
that rings true. People prioritize things, especially personal safety, in a slightly different way. And they assumed that everything was going to be fine. But when you look at it, like, how could somebody walk up to those rides and not go, um, <laughs> this? Nope. <laughs> yeah, the water slide with a loop. <laughs> that, that doesn't even look like a loop, man. Like, it looks like it was built with, like, flat flat layers. Like, no way, man. That looks like it would hurt like hell to go through. And 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 people and the people who made it don't understand loops. Like you, you, you don't want to actually have a round loop that makes it so much worse. You want to have the you know, it it kind of tapers up to the point. It, it is kind of squished like or whatever. The elliptical. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and then on top of it, they, they're they're looking at the the ride that killed the guy uh, <laughs> in, that they're talking about, and it's like. Who thought that going down a chute at 20 miles an hour with absolutely no guardrails over a field of rocks was a good idea? <laughs> like, just in that description, that's where you say, yeah, you know, at least we should get rid of the field of rocks. Dude, I, I've done an alpine slide back in the 80s, man. Like, yeah, I did too, but it wasn't over a field of rocks. That's that's the kicker to me. Yeah, well, no, no, no. There was a rock. Because they showed the course. It was mostly grass. It's just there there was a large rock on the course, near the course. And yeah, the guy hit it <laughs> and died. And do those, uh, those people on the on the water slides catching air and then thumping back down onto the next level of the slide? I'm sitting there looking like, have they never heard of a compressed lumbar region? Like, <laughs> that's like a spinal injury waiting to happen. <laughs> and being an adult sucks. Like... <laughs> You see that stuff and you're like, holy crap. No way, man. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. like, I would highly encourage that everybody go watch this thing. Because at the very least, you're going to sit there and just say to yourself, wow, have times changed. Maybe this part's for the better, but <laughs> wow. Well, and it's just a lot of people there designed rides themselves and they had absolutely no experience or probably... They just shouldn't be designing rides, but they were. Yeah, when, when, when you when you have electrical fans that aren't grounded out underwater in, yeah, I'd say that's not a good design. <laughs> Goodness, man! Like I, I was watching the whole thing, and I'm just sitting there the whole time, just kind of like, wow, wow. If this happened today, like people would be in prison and sued in prison. So Brandon uh, suggested to me a YouTube channel that I, I already watch on a regular basis called Defunct Land. If you're into stuff like that, it's yeah, it's I, about. I remember you mentioning that last uh, last app, and now now that because I, I just watched Class Action Park, uh, I just finished it yesterday, so I, I I now need to go find that YouTube channel and, and dive in. Yeah, it's a pretty cool YouTube channel. It's not it's not all about the awful parks of the '80s, but it's it's about it. It started with being about rides. Let me, let me that, stop you right there for a moment and just say that you just pluralized that. What the awful parks of the '80s again, showing just how endemic it was. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. That's true. Hey, this this just was the one that made the documentary, but this was not the only example. No, no. But um, it started with doing rides that had gotten closed that people liked. And originally they were going to make like a virtual park and they just kind of started doing that. They made a, a VR thing you can go on now, which is uh, the 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea submarine ride from Walt Disney World, which doesn't exist anymore. But he, he kind of moved into just doing parks and other stories and whatnot as the series, as the YouTube episodes progressed. But it's pretty good. They did a, He did a really long one on Coney Island, like the history of Coney Island, which was 
fascinating. And uh, yeah, wow, were people anti-Semitic back in the day? Holy God. <laughs> oh, well, yeah, don't even get me started. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, he, he goes over that stuff and he goes over, you know, just just how crazy things were back in the day. And, and Coney Island rides were the original ones were just as bad. Oh, my God. Like they were just as bad. It was just people like, oh, dude, the, the, the SeaWorld that I grew up next to in San Diego. Like I have vivid memories of their obstacle course thing that kids went on. Truthfully, I am surprised to no end that nobody died like legitimately no how did nobody die that thing was a death trap anyway it's a good it's a good show there's a lot of good episodes missing was like a pool of sharks over the the net that you why weren't there it was freaking sea world you could just build it over the pool of sharks the sharks were on the other side of the park like trust me i knew where the sharks. well just just build build the thing over the pool of sharks just put some glass down it'll be fine it was over by the otters and the otters had a show and they they danced and, and played with the trainers and there were seals and it was great Steve Irwin was afraid of otters. I remember that. That's otter nonsense. Of all animals, really? Homeboys over there like battling yeah. death grips with alligators. No, no f's given. But then the, the the friendly little otter comes around and he's terrified. The otters they had at his zoo were responsible for the most injuries of staff at that zoo. And Maybe so when they they did not mess around with the otters. Off. No, it's just yeah, otters, man. I, I, I actually, um, when I went to uh, the Texas Aquarium back when I lived in Texas down in Corpus Christi, um, I actually asked a zoo employee there about that because I'm like, uh, Steve Irwin was afraid of the otters. Um, is that true? <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and they gave me the corporate answer of, well, otters are wild animals. <laughs> and I'm yes. like, so the that's a yes. yes. <laughs> every, every experience I've had with an otter, both on, on river and ocean, has been the most pleasant thing in the world. I had an otter pop up on my surfboard once. I was sitting over a kelp bed, and the otters used to like the kelp beds because the little sea urchins would, would uh, uh, grow at the bottom of the kelp. And so this little guy, he, like, pops out of the water, and he's got an urchin with him. And, you know, they use the rocks to bang him open to get the meaty stuff on the bottom. Yeah, yeah. boy puts his his sea urchin on my board, then dives back down, grabs a rock, comes back up, hops on on my board like I'm not even there, right? And I'm just sitting there like, what is happening, right? I I just can't believe this is happening. And he proceeds to crack open the sea urchin and have himself a little snack and, you know, doesn't clean up after himself. That part annoyed me, but whatever. And then uh, just hops in the water and basically, like, gives me a little wink and he's off, off and going again. What a magical story. Dude, it was like the craziest thing I've ever seen in my entire life. I didn't realize that that sort of thing would happen, but he wanted a snack. He didn't want to go all the way to shore. He saw my board. Didn't really care that I was on it. I didn't mess with him. He didn't mess with me. We had a good time. <laughs> I named him I named him Kevin. Seemed Seems appropriate like Kevin. at the time. Yeah, it's a Kevin thing to do. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, so Kevin the Otter. I don't know if he's still alive. I don't know. What's the, uh, the lifespan of the otter? He's long dead, sir. <laughs> long dead. There's probably Kevin the third at this point or more. Oh, I'm looking this up. I'm, I'm good. 15 to 20 years. So if Kevin was really young, maybe. Nah, you probably got. Nah, Kevin. There's, yeah, because that would have been 95, 94. Yeah, Kevin's dead. Yeah, Kevin's dead. Long live Kevin. Hope. Man, I sure hope Kevin showed the other his like kid otters like surfers are cool. Go hang out on their boards. It's dope. Yes, animals. Have no fear of man. Interact with them all you coyote? want. <laughs> coyotes, 
they have no fear of humans now. There's a coyote that, that appears on my street pretty regularly, and people will always snap pictures of him. He doesn't even budge. Half the time, he doesn't even bother to look over at the human, because what are they going to do? He knows they're not going to do a damn thing. <laughs> He's like, go ahead and bring out your lap dogs. I need a snack. That was a little dark. <laughs> that was a little dark. Brendan also would like to thank you for the recommendation of Barry. Oh, because Barry's amazing, right? I don't know. I haven't watched it yet. Oh, you need to. You need to, son. We're working through some other stuff right now, so. Oh, it's so good. It's so, so good. I won't talk more about it until you've had a chance to watch it, because it's so good. All right. So what what else have you been watching besides the Class Action Park? Uh, Yeah, so Class Action Park, uh, also uh, continuing my, to watch Tin Star, which is one of the darkest shows I have ever seen. And uh, wow, it is more like a London mobster show, like a London gangster show, than it is a show about rural policing in Canada. It's insanity. And it's hmm. super dark, but it's also amazing. And it's probably one of the best acted TV shows I've ever seen in my life. All right. And then I sat down and watched your dead heat. <laughs> As promised, like that one machine gun fight is ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, that was that was pretty worth it. I think I I texted you about it, didn't I? Yes, yes, you did. Oh yeah, he he has that long ass machine gun fight, right? And then he knocks the guy into the room where he's gonna lock him in, tosses a grenade in, and then before he shuts the door, just one last little burst from the machine gun out of pure spite. Like I can get behind <laughs> that. I understand that. <laughs> So it's got problems, man. It was it was made in the 80s. It's got some 80s 80s issues, but that that yeah. scene where that one lady's face starts melting, like yeah, holy crap. The first part of that, the very first segment of that, that you want to talk about ahead of its time. You couldn't tell. I don't know how they did that. Effect. It was that good. It was. Yeah, I I don't even know how they did that. Like yeah. I'm really impressed. Like there were other parts you could tell it was time lapse, but that first shot when her like half her face was melting off, like legitimately, I don't know how they did that makeup. Yeah, yeah, it was it was pretty impressive. There was some pretty impressive makeup work in there. There was also some not impressive makeup work in there, and a whole like long soliloquy about weird lipstick. Yes. Yeah, yeah, that was. I don't know what I thought of that movie. Yeah, I agree. It was a good time though. I was I was entertained. I was entertained, but I don't know that I enjoyed it. Like I, that's how <laughs> I, I, I'm very unsure of what happened to me. That sounds about right. That sounds about right. And then beyond that, uh, watch the uh, what we'll be talking about later in No Time to Bond. Won't spoil it here. And then I got a couple episodes of Tailspin in. Nice. How's that holding up? It's exactly what I remember. All the problems, all the fun. It's exactly what I remember. <laughs> nice. All right. Well, I will. I will shotgun through my stuff. You also watch WandaVision, I know. So yes, yes. I was gonna wait till you talked about it. Yeah. No spoilers. But no spoilers. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. That's all. That I'm gonna say. good. That's all I'm gonna say. Whoa! You know, I know a lot of people are complaining about it, but I'm really glad it's coming out weekly because if you we know, if you binge that show, it would not be nearly as interesting. I'd like to go on record as saying that if you complain about WandaVision, then A, you've lost all patience and you've forgotten that sometimes it takes some time to make a good story happen. Yeah, I would, I would point you at the entire genre of Westerns where the entire first act is slow by design. Yes. And you don't get payoff unless you do the building. 
and man, does this show pay off. It's amazing that they, they managed to build for three episodes. Like, in 2021, that is a minor miracle. And we should all be happy about that. Yeah, well, it, it just it wasn't a show designed to be binged, you know? And, and no. I'm realizing there's a different sort of form of storytelling when you're not intending to binge it. Because, like... Like, and don't get me wrong. Like, if you intend to binge something, you know, it's good. Like, like Stranger Things. Stranger Things is one very contiguous story. And it's fine. You know, I, I and you can watch all of it in one go, and it's fine. Um, but WandaVision, if you watched all of it in one go, it would not work the way it does. Because you need to have that gap to sort of sit and think about it. Oh, You know, yeah. and talk. I, you and I have been marinating on the big reveal in episode five. And my God, the implications of it. Yeah, yeah, it's good stuff. It's good stuff. Yeah. So I, I mean, it's a little annoying when you want to watch more and you can't. But, you know, I, I, I'm kind of appreciating some shows. You just should watch them once a week. It's fine. Yeah, this is definitely one of them. Did you watch the trailer for uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier? Yes, I did. <laughs> How old are you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that show looks amazing, too. I Marvel Universe is just firing on all cylinders. Well, I'm also liking that they're letting the shows kind of just be whatever they need to be, which gives me really high hopes for She-Hulk because I, I'm hoping they crib off of the the more comedic runs of She-Hulk because I really like those. Peter, Peter David did a really, really good run of She-Hulk. That was very funny. I don't think She-Hulk works in Grimdark. You know what I mean? It has to have, and that's something that the Marvel shows have done so well. It has to have that underpinning of goofiness. If they do it right, it will be more of a comedy than even the guardians movies were. Cause yeah, those comics are weird. I have a lot, a lot of positive hope for them that and anything that they touch right now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Cause WandaVision is just weird. Like it is so its own thing and I, I love it for it Yeah, because yeah, that's, it's, that's I mean, it's not a superhero it, show, you know, like, yeah, it's not a superhero show. There's very little superhero in it. It's just, it's really weird. Oh, and, and, and how about casting like Oscar caliber actors in your roles and then letting them do what they do best? Like Paul Bettany in WandaVision, especially in episode five. Wow. I mean, just Wow. Some guy who sort of works tangibly for for Marvel, uh, he apparently over this past weekend he was working to put a pitch together for uh, a Jimmy Woo and uh, Doctor Doctor from Thor Dennings? that I can't remember her uh, name. Cat Dennings, yes, Cat Dennings, um, uh, yeah, Darcy. the actress Darcy. Darcy, Darcy, yeah, yeah, Doc. I can't remember her last name. Yeah. But yeah, he, he's putting together a pitch for a show about the two of them doing kind of X Files work in the Marvel U. Because in the comics, Jim, Jimmy Woo's Darcy from the comics. Lewis. Darcy Lewis. Darcy, yeah, Dr. Darcy Lewis. She, uh, 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 Agent Woo's from the comics. He he works for an agency called Atlas. And so if they did like an Agents of Atlas show, which was just kind of X-Files-y in the Marvel Universe. Oh, that would, man, he would be so perfect for it. Yeah, yeah. And, and him and Kat Dennings, like they play really well off each other. I like the no, two of them No, my God, they're, they've got a, a great uh, comedic timing together. And can I just say... People probably miss this, like a lot of people probably miss this, but if, you, if you've been following the Marvel Universe really, really closely, when they introduce his character and the first thing you see him do is do the magic trick to bring out his business card, mm -hmm. I died. Yeah, that's, that's a died. callback from Ant-Man. Yes, yeah. yes. Like I, I saw him do it. I'm like, oh, he's been practicing. Look at that. <laughs> I got so excited for him. <laughs> yeah, that, that's brilliant stuff. We'll, we'll talk about 
the wonders of WandaVision, once a little bit more time goes by, because we don't want to spoil anything for anybody, but just suffice it to say, go watch it. It's freaking amazing. Ray, Ray um, will get to it in a long time because he's watching the Marvel Universe in order. I oh, forget where yeah, he was. WandaVision's way down that train, baby. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I, I, I've been on a spy kick because of Delta Green, so I rented a movie I'd never seen, Bridge of Spies, with the Tom Hanks. Oh, I hear that's really good. I really want to watch it. It was pretty good. I was I was very surprised. Uh, I'm actually getting the book it's based on from the library. I'm going to I'm going to try to give it a read. Um, but yeah, it's Cold War sort of vague espionage sort of. It's it, it's good. You'd like it. It Yeah, I, I would I would recommend. So it's go on watch my it. list. It's on my list. I need to get it for sure. Uh, we still continuing with Young Justice. Not nearly fast enough because uh, we only get to watch an episode basically probably every other day with yeah. the daughter. So, but it's, it's still a good show would recommend for the kids. So, uh, per Brendan's recommendation, I rented the Congress and, uh, that movie is weird. And I kind of knew it was weird going into it, unfortunately. So it didn't hit me quite as good as maybe it would have, if I hadn't have known it was weird going into it. But yeah, that, that movie is such an odd duck. Dude, I really want to see that you should because i can't talk about it without spoiling it and right. I, I hopefully you don't know why it's why it's weird so you can you can go in and have it happen i unfortunately knew the list. twist okay um there's a there's a movie actually on hulu that's that seems to be channeling the same vibe that like selma hayek and luke wilson owen, owen wilson. wilson that's an owen yeah. wilson movie and yes i want to watch it too yeah watch the congress first because I, I think it's cribbing off of that that's okay. my theory and then, uh, and then I watched the Thomas Crown Affair because I wanted to see if Nibbles was nibbling. Ah, and that's that. why I wanted to wait till the last part. So, you've been doing a little research on Mr. Nibbles. Yes. And so, after watching the Thomas Crown Affair, which has lots of smooching, amongst other things, even on staircases, which seems like it would be uncomfortable. I would agree. So, what's what? What is our what is our uh, what is our our findings? Our verdict here? is we need more information because they. There's a lot of sexy times in that film, but there's not a lot of kissy times in that film, at least oh, like where you could see it, like like the 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 staircase sequence. Like the, there's a lot of kissing on the staircase, but you're watching it overhead, and I can't see if he's nibbling. <laughs> so yes, that unfortunately has to get pushed to uh, to another movie. So I went through Pierce Brosnan's filmography, and I tried to find another sexy time Pierce Brosnan movie, and I found one called After the Sunset from 2005. So I'm gonna give it another go. <laughs> and After we'll see what happens. The sunset. Okay. Yes. Tell me yes. if you're watching it. I'll watch it too. Okay. Okay. Uh, I'll I'll pick it up Wednesday. So That's yeah, a I don't know. 2004 film. After the oh, this has uh, the Selma Hayek in it. I remember mm-hmm. when this came out. I never had a chance to watch it. Yeah. So I I think it has kissy times in it. So we'll see what happens. Oh dear God! It's a Brett Ratner movie. Oh jeez. Oh no. <laughs> Thomas Crown Affair was directed very well, though. Of course it was. That was, um, oh, for God's sakes, what, I, John McTiernan. Yeah. I, I, I and you want to know what? You want to know what was very refreshing in that? You want to know what was extremely refreshing? Uh, so at the time, Pierce Brosnan was, uh, I want to say, 47 when he filmed that movie. And Rene Russo was 45. Like, you know, age-appropriate love interest. Imagine that. <laughs> and Circa you know 1999. Rene Russo still has my heart. Brendan, uh, because of the uh, documentary series you're watching about the afterlife and all that, he recommended, I think it's a book, I didn't actually check, uh, 
Spook, the science science investigates the afterlife by Mary Roach. Well, I'm gonna have to put that on the old reading list, uh, which actually maybe now is a good time to move on to books. Have you read anything? I uh, yeah, I've read a few things. What'd you um, read? What did I read? Well, um, I proving that uh, I I can't actually read things if I decide to, and that I'm an extreme goober, and apparently what I like reading is friggin' role playing games. Uh, I betw- okay, so last episode. Let's put this in perspective. I talked about getting the PDF for Impossible Landscapes. And in the two weeks since we recorded that, I read the entire 360-page book. Goodness. I, I've actually read it now, um, not twice, but I've read the whole thing. And then I've gone back and I've read the entire first part again, including the first adventure prepping for our next game. And yes, and then... Uh, I have gone into a spiral of the Yellow King, and I've been reading various Yellow King stuff, including the original book um, and some other short stories that I own, uh, just kind of fishing for ideas. And uh, yeah, so I read Impossible Landscapes, and I read the first five stories out of the Yellow King. I read a couple stories out of another Robin laws did an anthology about of yellow King stories. I think I read the first three of those. I tracked down on the internet. Uh, apparently this campaign set, this campaign is based off of uh, a couple short stories. Another guy wrote. So I went and tracked as many of those as I could down because they were only really released on small presses, but I found them on a website that yes. So I read those. Yeah. I've been, I've been, I've been deep, deep in the bowels of the Yellow King. I I added the Yellow King to my reading list as well, so I will let you know when I get to it. Uh, Well, speaking of reading, I've uh, been continuing on Tiamat's Wrath, which is um, the last published Expanse book, and then there's one more coming later this year, I believe over the summer. Because this one's so recent, I don't want to say anything because it it could be spoiler territory. Because this just got released, I think, in late 19, early 20, something like that. Good, bad, indifferent? Uh, very good. And an interesting continuation. And I don't know what I'm going to do when the series is completed. That's going to make me really sad. I also heard Expeditionary Force only has a couple books left before it's completed. So, man, my long-term sci-fi stuff's running out of, uh, out of, out of books. I'm going to have to find something new soon. That's a shame. Yeah, yeah, it is what it is, but it's been a good ride. There you go. How about video games? You're still on your Ring Fit? I am still on my Ring Fit. I forgot to check what day of my adventure I'm on today. But I, I, I'm still at it. Uh, yeah, I don't remember what the day was. But yes, I'm still playing Ring Fit. I, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what to say about it. I think I'm almost done with the base game. There is a game plus that you can play through. So you can basically play through the whole game again on hard mode. So we'll see how that goes. But yeah, you know, I mean... Uh, uh, I'm in the 80s of days played, I think, at this point. That's awesome. Congrats. Yeah, yeah. And that's, that's, uh, I took, I took a couple days off here and there for various reasons. But yeah, no, I mean, that's like 80 days of exercise. So yeah, I paid a dollar a day for exercise at this point. Um, yeah, no, it was, it was worth it. Good return on investment. Yeah, yeah. No, I'd highly recommend that game. If you, if you like, kind of JRPG-ish, you know, games and you need an excuse to exercise because you should only play that game about 20 minutes to a half hour every day. 
uh, yeah, it's a good investment because it'll, it'll get you to do that. You know, like it'll, it, I, I still want to play it because there's just a, enough of a story that I'm like, I kind of want to know what's going to happen next. And, uh, every so often you get like a new exercise attack that you can do. And it's like, I want to try it out because it's got the numbers and yeah, it's good times. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Anything else? No, I, I, that's mainly what I've been playing. Um, let's see. What else have I been playing? Um, continue to play some COD, continue to have fun, uh, having a great time with the multiplayer in that, uh, Xbox game pass got a new game called the Falconeer, uh, which is you're riding on the back of a giant, uh, bird and it's kind of like a 3d shooter, uh, but you're riding on a giant bird and it's a neat world and it plays really well. So I'm having a good time with that so far. Um, uh, I, I realized that it'd been a while since the last time I played Gunstar Heroes, my most favorite game of all time. So I popped it in and played it from start to finish because it was a 16 bit game, which means you could do that in one sitting and it wasn't a problem. <laughs> no 120 hours of grinding in this one, bud. Um, and that game continues to have my 100 uh, percent raptured love. I think it might be the best thing that humans have ever done with their existence. It's on the Mega Drive. Uh, yes, yes, and it was mega awesome. Intriguing. Um, Game Pass also got the Medium, um, and I'm super stoked about that. I played through the first, I don't know, maybe hour, and it's spooky. It's got really neat music. Uh, they're doing some interesting things, and it's got a total Resident Evil 1 vibe, especially the way it handles cameras. Hmm. So, so far, really, really good. And then I also picked up Werewolf Earthbound, which is... Um, it's based off of Werewolf the Apocalypse, right? Is that that yes, one? Yes, yes. So, it, okay. it, a couple things going on here. Number one, it does stick to the universe pretty well. But the problem is that it takes for granted that you know that universe. And if you don't know that universe really well, you'd be totally lost. So you're totally lost? No, I know that universe well enough because there's been a lot of video games about it and I really like werewolves, so you know I've 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 done my reading on the werewolf game. Fair enough. Outside of the werewolf game, I would be a bit lost, but in the werewolf game I understand what's going on. I don't know, like it doesn't do anything wrong, but it doesn't do anything great. That's unfortunate. Yeah, I mean, I'm still having fun because I'm a big old stompy werewolf, and you know, who doesn't want to be a big old stompy werewolf and there's some interesting stuff when you change into your wolf form in terms of like stealth um there's some good fun stealth sequences but uh i don't know you know i'll let you know when i get to the end if my thoughts change but right now it's just uh you know like a solid right in the middle like a solid five doesn't do anything wrong it's it's competently put together there's no bugs but it doesn't excel at anything either well, one last thing before we go. I just want to say out loud, uh, remember that game that we played? Uh, or remember when we played Delta Green and I, I shared that handout with the, uh, the the text and a key on it? Uh, yes. Go look at the channel. Yes. All right. I made that. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, yeah, because um, the adventure takes place in 2015, but since we're playing it in 1995, the dates were wrong. And so... I just got it in my head that I should make that again. And so I, yeah, I put that you together. Did a really the, good job. That's really great. I thought that it was something that you pulled out of the, uh, out of one of the pages. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's based off of it, obviously. Uh, the, the picture of the key I stole from the, uh, from the handout that they, they have in the book. Um, 
but yeah, I, I, I put the, I put that all together myself. And actually, the other handout I gave um, with the letter that was all written. Uh, one of the things that I really like that Impossible Landscape did is is you get notes like that, but then they actually translate them below because sometimes it's really hard to read. You know, cursive fonts. Oh yeah. Yeah, so I, I made that one too. I, I, I took the, that, that is from the book, but I added the bottom section in and tried to make it seamless. So yeah, I've been making, I've been making handouts <laughs> and trying to make them look real and it's been fascinating and I've been having a really good time and you'll see more of that next, next time we play actually, I think probably. Yeah. So anyway, I just want to pat myself on the back. I do good. Well done. Well done. Thank you. That is it for me. I'm spent. That is it for me, too. Uh, Which means that we are at the end of our first segment, and we are going to take a quick break, and when we return, it'll be time for our Wisdom of Crowds. So we'll see you in just a moment. Do you have a tabletop, board game, miniature game, or RPG that you're going to release for retail? Or do you have an upcoming tabletop Kickstarter that you're about to launch? We would love to interview you for a future episode of the Forgot My Dice podcast. Send us an email to fmdpodcast2016 at gmail.com to schedule an interview. Welcome back from the break. It is now time for our Wisdom of Crowd segment. That is, of course, our bi-weekly tabletop news segment where we talk about all the cool stuff that is has been announced mostly, like, especially this time of year. The announcements are a-coming. Yeah, it's weird, considering I don't even know if we'll have in-person cons this year. Man, I hope so. I miss all my con friends. Real bad. Real, real bad. I wouldn't know. I've never been to a cool con. Well, that's a lie, but I haven't been to one lately. Maybe we need to make that happen, buddy. Once the world returns to normal. Ray said we could crash with him and go to uh, PAX. I would love to do that. PAX is one I have not been to yet. I've been to Gen Con a couple times. I've been to uh, Dice Tower Con. I've been to... What's the one in Columbus? Uh, Origins. Been to Board Game Geek Con. Yeah. I mean, I think that's really the only big one I haven't done yet. All right. Well, I'll go ahead and get us started with Hadrian's Wall, which is coming soon for Renegade. And I think Renegade's on to something here. This, much like Welcome To, is uh, being labeled as a flip-and-write game. So each player is going to be a Roman general, and that Roman general is going to be tasked with building up the defenses of their particular empire. Uh, They will need to construct themselves a uh, wall and a a castle. Uh, In the meantime, they're also going to have to get people on the defenses because they are going to be attracting a lot of unwanted attention. Uh, So yes, Hadrian's Wall will be coming from uh, Renegade, and that'll be sometime in... The second quarter of 2021, according is, to that. Is Hadrian's Wall the one that was keeping Scotland out of uh, Britain? Yes. Nice. Yes. And now they're homies. Well, you know, history, man. Things change, but yeah. And the Game Brewer has announced its publishing plans for 2021. They have uh, five games that they are anticipating releasing this year, including Arkwright, the card game, from Stefan Risthaus. Uh, and that is the person who designed the original Arkwright game quite a ways back. And you'll get uh, Paris Le Tolle. I probably killed that because I don't speak French. That is an expansion uh, for the Wolfgang Kramer Michael Kiesling game Paris, which came out last year. So um, keep your eyes open for that. Hippocrates which is a Euro game from Elaine Orban. Uh, and that is one of the folks that did Black Angel, which I really enjoyed when I played it at 
um, Gen Con a couple of years ago. Uh, Black Angels is a super, super dense and fun game. So I that, this one is definitely on my radar. Uh, Stroganov, which is another Euro-style game. This one from Andreas Stetting. Stroganov like the, uh, the, the beef? Yes, yes, but no beef, yeah. just Stroganov. You will be exploring Siberia in search of fame and wealth. And then finally, Rule Benders uh, from Ted Vandewire. And in this one, you will be uh, heading out on some traveling adventures. And this already had a successful Kickstarter from what I see here. So, uh, yeah, all five of those will be coming this year from Game Brewers. All right. Well, CBS, Viacom, Paramount, whatever the company's called these days, now that they've all gotten back together. And Magpie Games announced Avatar, the last Airbender RPG. Oh, wow. Okay. They have three products scheduled, a core book in February of 2022, a Republic City and uh, in August of 2022, and in February of 2023, The Spirit World. So it sounds like this is coming direct to uh, direct to trade. Maybe, I don't know if they're going to do a Kickstarter for this or not. They have not said. Usually they would say if they're going to do a Kickstarter about it, so I didn't see that. And it sounds like it's going to be powered by the apocalypse. So there you go. Uh, people people love that a- avatar. I I still have not watched that. Yeah, I can't say I have either. I probably should, but I don't know. There always seems to be something else. Yeah, well, the kids seem to love it. It's on Netflix right now. So for the there you kids, go. you know, for the kids. <laughs> so Z-Man has announced a little bit more information on their new edition of Carcassonne Hunters and Gatherers, uh, which was last brought out in 2002. Um, so it will, of course, contain new art uh, and extra menhir tiles with unique, unique effects. And guess what? You can try this new version for free over on Tabletopia. Oh, really? Yes. Do we need to do this? Yeah, maybe. I've never played it. Okay. Well, make it happen. You're better at making things happen than I am. Maybe one of us should remember to bring it up on Sunday. Mm, That would be interesting. That would be interesting. Ray, Brendan, if we have not talked to you about this by the time you hear this episode, rope us into trying this because it's available for free on Tabletopia. Hunters and Gatherers edition of Carcassonne. And Ravensburger has a new game coming out uh, that I think... Actually, this is probably one that I could convince Jessica to buy because it's based on Disney's Hocus Pocus. So it's Disney Hocus Pocus the game, and it's designed by Prospero Hall, who, you know, did my heartbeat horrified. So this has my attention. Uh, You are going to be trying to cooperatively outwit the Sanderson sisters, and you're trying to keep all those little kitties in Salem safe as the sisters attempt to drain them of their life force. So you ruin, are you trying to ruin basically Sanderson potions a couple times, and that's what gets you to win. Uh, it is a fully cooperative game, and it should be available, um, actually, according to this, by the time that uh, this episode comes out. It should be out in stores. Oh, wow. So there you that's go. That's a fast turnaround. Yeah, from Ravensburger, Disney, Hocus Pocus. I, I know Ravensburger stuff has been showing up a lot in Target, so uh, perhaps I would start there. Thames and Cosmos have announced The Crew Mission Deep Sea. So I took this one because I played it more than you, which is not something I get to claim very often. That's fair. 
The crew, Mission Deep Sea, includes 45 large cards, 96 small cards, 7 tokens, a logbook created by the crew designer, Thomas Singh. It uses the same core mechanics while introducing some new elements. It is intended for 3-5 to five players, ages 10 and up, but also includes a variant rule set for 2-player games. Playing takes about 20 minutes, and the MSRP is $14.95. And I call BS on that. We played that game for hours. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think that they in the rule book they're allowed to put limits and I think we far exceeded the limits. We were going we were going for the whole thing. Yeah, while well, we were then having we just fun. just ran out of so. time. Yeah. While well, we were having fun. I'm just saying. Twenty minutes is BS. You can play much longer yeah, if you need to. They say they have a logbook, so I bet you if you have the physical game, you can kinda like, you know, mark where you're at. Yeah. <laughs> and then keep great. going. So Portal Games announced a bunch of stuff, uh, only one of which is important. So let me tell you about the non important stuff first. Maybe it tickles your fancy. Maybe it doesn't. But you'll understand why if you've been a listener of the show. Or else, yeah, it, it, this will all clear up here in a moment. Portal makes some good stuff. It's never a bad day to get a Portal game. Um, first of all, they're making 11 Football Manager game. So it's a scenario-driven game where you have the opportunity to manage a football team. And by football, I mean actual football, not the American stuff. So what would we call soccer? Philistine. I'm just saying it out loud, man. Next is dreadful. You, you, wait, do you want me to be? Do you want me to be like, oh, what those Yanks call soccer? I don't know what just happened. Like it started British, but then it definitely went heavy Australian on the tail end. Well, it's just vaguely not American accent. I'd like to apologize to all our non-American fans. Should should I do a stupid, outrageous French accent, <laughs> a la Monty Python and the Holy Grail? Because I can do that too. Oh man! Or I can do the vaguely German one. Whatever toots your horn, buddy. So is it like what's the uh, what's the the Americans called the soccer? <laughs> yes, just like that. Ah, that's good. It's good. So uh, Football, the footballer is good. They could call it soccer. It's fine. Yeah. So this is coming. It's from uh, a designer named Thomas. Hey, hey Jonathan. Yeah. How how many uh, how many German people does it take to to screw in the light bulb? I don't know. None. If if properly engineered, a light bulb should last a lifetime. <laughs> That's fair, I'll allow it. <laughs> we should all be so lucky as to never, ever have to change the light bulb again. <laughs> I, I'd like to apologize to any listener in Germany. I, I, I love you people. I want to come visit. Oh, man, me too. Although Spain's like much you. higher on my list because I, I, I still have my love They're affair with Spain. relatively close to one another. If you go to one, you really should take the time to go to the other because getting over there... Yeah, I know, you can just hop on a train. Yep. You just hop on a train. They got crazy trains. It's cool. Yeah. Yeah, maybe, uh, you know what I've always wanted to do? I, I have this deep-seated desire to play in Bruges while watching in Bruges while I'm sitting in Bruges. It's fair. I know that's, like, super meta, but I want that to happen. I would just love to go, well, I'd, yeah, I'd love to go visit a lot of stuff in If you want to go, I will go with you. I love Europe. I've been there many times, and I... I kind of want to go on a Dracula tour and oh, and, dude, and, so and follow Harker's route. Maybe not going all the way into Romania and, like, the depths of Why? Romania. Romania is awesome. But Budapest? Budapest. I think that would be kind of where I'd end it. Well, I... What can you... Because none of those castles that are air quotes Dracula's castle are actually Dracula's castle. That's like the equivalent of a roadside attraction here. Seeing a giant yeah, Paul whatever. Statue. We just go and have fun because Romania, like why wouldn't you want to do that? But buying counterfeit cigarettes that have been sailed up the, 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 the Rhine river in Budapest. I'm up for that's it. That's where it's at. Yeah. That's where I'm it's down. at. Let's do it. 
Um, so yeah, they've got the 11 football manager game coming. They've got Dreadful Circus coming. It's a card-driven game from Bruno Faduti. Um, I love me some Bruno Faduti. He has done some of my favorite, favorite games, including... Uh, hey, hey, Jonathan? Yes. He, you said duty. <laughs> You're such a child. <laughs> Sorry, that's a running gag me and my daughter have, actually. <laughs> Eowyn. Mr. Jonathan said duty. I will oh make Lord. sure to play that for her later. So anyway, yeah, they, uh, he did. Uh, he was half the design team on Mission Red Planet, which continues to be one of uh, the most fun games that I have on my shelf. I love it. Um, so, yeah, that's coming. Uh, and they've also got Empires of the North, The Wrath of the Lighthouse, and Neuroshima Hex Beasts. Those are both coming in 2021. But none of those matter. Nothing else matters because they also made a big big announcement did you hear about this no okay tell me when you get maybe there. tell me when you get there they have partnered okay. with gale force nine uh-huh legendary entertainment okay say it with me now who, who what, what what property is this the pacific rim game <sighs> disappointed is there, a, is there a pacific rim game no i mean yes there oh. is but this is not it yes okay. they've they partnered with gale force nine legendary entertainment Herbert Properties, LLC, and Genuine Entertainment to produce officially licensed board games set within the Dune universe. They are planning a trilogy, and it's all going to be set on their cooperative system using Portal's award-winning Detective a Modern Crime board game series. Dune House of Secrets is scheduled for quarter four of this year. And it's being designed by the man, the myth, the legend, Ignacy Trevichek himself. You, you were a, a Dune fanboy. When I saw this, I might have screamed. I think I Ignacy did Imperial here. Settlers. He did Stronghold. I mean, like, he's a great designer. And now he's playing in my favorite universe. So I'm All right. stoked. I'm stoked. All right. I hear you. I'm picking up what you're putting down. That was number five. That's it. I'm done. Okay. That's the news. We're done. There you go. There's a whole lot of news. Indeed. Which means, of course, that it is now time for us to switch gears as we move into our long-term series, which I can't believe we're on the tail end of this sucker now. It is now time for part 25 of our 30-part series, No Time to Bond, where we are watching the 007 movies in order of release. And my goodness, are we back in the good stuff. We left Die Another Day behind. This is two in a row, buddy. 2008's Quantum of Sol... I always want to say silence, and it's wrong. No, 2008's Quantum of Solace. Solace. Uh, blah, blah. Directed by Mark Forrester, made for a budget of at least $200 million. It made $589 million. So, f- some fr- fun facts. It was made during one of the writer's strikes. So, they didn't really have what you'd call a script... Man, you can't tell, right? Like, am I crazy when I say that? Because I felt like it came together really well and had perfect callbacks to the last movie and set stuff up for the next movie well. Eh, it did all right. Uh, Mark Forster and Daniel Craig did a uncredited rewrite during production. Um, and it was not originally intended to be a direct sequel to Casino Royale. Did you know that? That was the interesting part. It became it as they were filming it. Which was the smart choice. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. Uh, here's my overall opinion of this one. I don't think this movie is as good as Casino Royale. No, no, because Casino Royale is is literally a sliver of perfection. It is a perfect spy film. 
Right. And had this movie come out after, you know, like License to Kill or, uh, you know, Tomorrow Never Dies or one of the better ones, it would have it would have really been a very, very strong follow up to all those movies and, and perhaps superior to all of them. But but trying to follow up Casino Royale was it was hard. Well, it was kind of an impossible task. Yeah, and this one did not did not live up to Casino Royale very well. But but that said, it not, is not to a say it was solid bad solid movie from start to finish, and there's a lot to like here. Yeah, but you know what? Their their problem, man, their their thing where they're starting to go back on the stuff that they need to get away from. They started doing it in this one. So we had a return of naked women in the credits, which I really liked Casino Royale that we kind of got away from that. We had the return of Bond seducing another agent. We had the re- almost had the return of Goofy Names because that agent that he seduced, Agent Fields, you know what her first name is? Oh, I know it was supposed to be Strawberry Fields, but my yeah. God, they 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 did the right thing and they kind of poked fun at it in the in the movie. Yeah, well, because they I don't even think they said Strawberry Fields. No, I think she did, just she made says a big Agent Fields, and then he says uh, first name, and she says just Fields. Yeah. So we almost we almost had the goofy name, but they got they got away from that. And thank the Lord, because at least they dodged that bullet. But yeah, that those are some of the things I didn't really like about it. Also, the theme song was not good. See, I, I don't mind it. I like it. <laughs> like, I, yeah, just Alicia Keys and Jack White. They their voices didn't really go together. I mean, it's not a bad song. It's just it, it was just kind of like, eh. I mean, I do like them, like, you know, trying to get contemporary artists because we had the Chris Cornell in the last one, you know, so I. I I guess I can approve of that, but I don't know. I didn't really like the theme song. The the, the whole credit sequence was kind of like, ugh. I don't know. I wasn't into it. Yeah, it didn't bug me at all. It didn't bug me at all. And there's a lot of really nice classic callbacks uh, to the Bond legacy in this film. Um, there's a couple in the opening credits. Um, and then, of course, the big one when, when spoiler alert, uh, when Fields is, is murdered and she's covered in, in oil which is you know the modern gold so that i thought that was those were really nice callbacks yeah you know but it's like why do they because the movie was never about oil like i get everybody kind of thought it was but it was about water yeah but that's it was all part of the the shell game right like that was try they were trying to make a smoke screen so that they they could not be tracked that was part of it the whole thing was was uh sleight of hand also something we can credit uh to mark forrester the director the reason Judy Dench is in this movie so much is because he was like, she is criminally underused in all of the Bond movies she's been in. So he wrote her into a lot more scenes, which was good because Daniel Craig and Judy Dench obviously are buddies. Yeah, you can <laughs> tell that they have more than a working relationship. You can tell that they have a genuine affection for each other and they must enjoy each other's company dramatically because they... They foil off of each other perfectly. They are a wonderful, yeah. wonderful uh, grouping of, of two really powerful actors. Also, uh, this movie, they never said the title of this movie inside the movie, which they've been doing for a long, long time. Even like, uh, well, actually, the last one they didn't do it with was Tomorrow Never Dies because they said tomorrow, the original title was Tomorrow Never Lies, but then somebody had a typo and they're like, that title's better. So they just went with it, even though, you know, they didn't say it in the movie. But yeah. Yeah, Quantum of Sol- Solace, which uh, it's funny if you ask different people at different times, they give you different interpretations of how that title actually works into the film, which is kind of hilarious to read because uh, Daniel Craig has said it at least two different ways, depending on when you asked him about it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, I think my main disappointment was it was just trying to follow Casino Royale and it just couldn't like it just it's not 
it's not perfection. And when you're when you're cast against perfection, it's just it's bad. Yeah. Um, but yeah, overall, it's it's not a bad movie. It's not it's not the best Bond movie I've seen. You know, I don't think it's better than uh, you know the the ones we liked: Goldeneye, Tomorrow Never Dies, and uh, License to Kill. No, it's, it's um, or no wait, not License to Kill. Sorry, sorry, sorry. The Living Daylights, License to Kill was terrible. Like like if we if we were grading this like um, you know on a curve, uh, this would be a distinct B, right? Which is to say, it's great. It does its job really, really well, but it's missing greatness. I mean, out of the 25 or so Bond movies, this one might actually be in the top five, even. Uh, definitely in top, the upper part of the 10, top 10. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's only 20 odd ones. So that's pretty easy. But yeah, I, I, how about it be high in the top 10? Like I, I maybe like sixth or seventh. Yeah, I um, agree with may, that. And, and maybe even in the top five, to be honest with you, depending on how I feel at the time. But yeah, again, it's just like, it's hard not to be, dis- it was hard for me not to be disappointed because Casino Royale was so good. Well, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I'm taking it on, on, you know, just, just what it is. And I'm just kind of looking through my notes. The one thing that stuck out to me more than any other thing is that the use of cameras and the way it was shot was beautiful, but it was completely betrayed by the, the really rapid editing style. Like... Oh, the editing was terrible in this one. Yeah. So, I mean, like, it's interesting because on the one hand, the editing did a really good job of telling the story and making sure that um, it was using scenes that, you know, like competently told uh, a scene from start to finish without any weirdness. But at the same time, it didn't hold on any of the shots long enough for you to get a good sense for for them. And, And it's a pity because the camera work was amazing, impeccable even. Like there was some genuinely amazing camera work in it, and it's all wasted because you never you never see a shot for more than about a half a second and a half, or less. Like there's in that car chase in the beginning, there's literally shots of Bond that are like less than a second long of him like just changing gears or well, and, turning the steering wheel. And the occasional shot like that can really punch up a scene because it's showing a, a rapid action, but it's overly used because there's not a single long shot that lets anything play out. Like long shots are an important balance with the quick shots. There are a couple shots in this film that are just jaw dropping. And the one where they go over the ledge together, like uh, Bond and the, the betrayal, uh, betraying guy, like that shot when they when you follow them through a window and then onto the scaffolding and then down the scaffolding was great. I really enjoyed that shot. Yeah. Yeah. Hopper's yeah, no, it was in just, it. it. Yeah. Hopper. Yeah. That, that he, he, he played a, a jerk too. Yeah. No, I, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it, it, Maybe if it was directed better, it would have worked better. I don't know, man. Like, it just, it didn't quite work. And it was just, and it's not yeah, even that it didn't quite work as bad. Yeah, I agree. Anyway, and, I don't know. It, I, I'm, it's not as bad as I'm making it. It's just, it's it's a shame it came after Casino Royale, because that, that's a I'll, tough act to follow. That's I'll, a real I'll tough say, act to follow. I thought Bond's character arc from start to finish, especially taking into account Casino Royale, and more importantly, having already seen the next film, because I don't think the next film happens without this film. No, I agree. You need everything that they do in this film, and especially the fact that um, Forrester felt the urge and and the need to to bring Dench in more, because it shows that, like you said, you said in one of our texts, it shows that the two of them can hold a movie together. I think one of the biggest crimes that it commits um, is that they cast... Uh, what, what is Olga? Uh, is she Ukrainian? Yeah, she's Ukrainian. Yeah, so they, they cast a Ukrainian actress as a Bolivian, and there are so many talented Latin actresses. Like, why? Why? 
Yeah, and and they they even kind of gave her they gave her a bad spray tan to well, it wasn't a bad spray tan, but they still gave her a spray tan to uh, darken her up to, so it she could play the scene. Pointless. It was just silly and pointless. Yeah, I was reading on the IMDb. The reason they cast her is she was one of the only actresses that came in that wasn't nervous. <laughs> and I'm like, that's not a good reason to not hire Oblivion. I, I will say this though, I I did enjoy her character and her character's arc, and I also. Well, she she did her she did a good job of that character because there was not a lot there for her to dig into, and she dug into it pretty decently. She did a great job, and the other aspect of it that I really liked was, again, you see Bond care, you see him care when he talks to her about what she's going to do, and you see him care when the fire's happening, and you know, there's that moment where it looks like they're they're basically going to take themselves out so that they don't burn up, and it was. It was a touching, caring moment. Like he's genuinely concerned about this this other human being, and it it adds humanity to Bond that I think every previous iteration of Bond has missed. Well, I and I was commenting on this when uh, I was watching it with my wife. In any previous version of Bond, if the female lead said, "I totes want to go have vengeance on this person," uh, Bond would have totally had the conversation with her of like, no, it'll just make things worse that you don't want to do it. And he would have killed her or killed the the, the person, you know? Yeah. And uh, in this movie, that's not at all what happened. She went and did it. And I think it's good. It was interesting. It was interesting for the character to just talk to her about like, you know, because he never even tries to talk her out about it, out of it. You know, he's just like, yeah, you know, like, go ahead. <laughs> I get it. Which is something Bond would do. It's like, I, I don't think Bond would be like, no, you shouldn't take vengeance on somebody. It's like, no, Bond's like a trained killer. It's like, yeah, yeah, go ahead. Well, and, and this Bond, I mean, like, he's a friggin' Terminator. Like, once he sets himself on a target, it is is doesn't matter what you do to him. He's going to get his target. Like, that's one of my favorite aspects about the way they built up um, his characterization. He's just... He he is once he gets turned on and he's locked onto a target like hell hath no fury right like he's gonna get him so I don't know I I, th- I think I, I'm just looking through our text message string the the one thing that I keep coming back to is that um, it's a good sequel it's just not quite as tight as the original film and I I think it gets a lot of crap on the internet and I don't know why because it's um it, it it's a much better film than I even remembered like I watched it and was pleasantly surprised at what i found like i enjoyed it a lot more than i thought i was going to because of all yeah. of the negativity on the internet and i don't i don't think it's justified i think it's a really good movie but it's yeah. not casino royale you're absolutely right no it is not casino royale casino royale was so good any other thoughts on it no not really yeah uh do you want to talk about the exploding hotel oh man. the world's worst design ever <laughs> Every room has explosives. We don't need a sprinkler system. I actually read on the internet some guy who's an engineer said, yes, in theory, that could ha- happen. But that hotel would be criminally, criminally poorly designed. Uh, because the, not the reality sprinkler goes off is the, the thing that drove me nuts watching that whole yeah. sequence. Yeah, the uh, what he said was very correct is because the hotel they are at in the end is fueled by hydrogen cells. And so there's a big explosion of the hydrogen cells in the garage. And, it, and he's like, yeah, no hydrogen, hydrogen burns real pretty like that. It probably would happen similar to that. And then he's like, and that's where it would begin and end. Basically there'd be an explosion in the garage. The power would go out and you're done. <laughs> and scene. Written and directed by Larry David. Yeah. Because like, you know, <laughs> it basically means there were like no 
safety valves in any part of that place at all. And honestly, like, what's the one thing that is universal, not in just films, but real life? The moment a fire begins in a building, poof, all the sprinklers go off. Yeah. Like, the fact that that never happened just bugged the daylights out of me, the whole, the whole sequence. Again, not quite as sharp. I don't think uh, I don't think that would have happened in, in with the previous director, I guess. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I mean, just overall, a, a, a genuinely good film, uh, just not as perfect as Casino Royale, and that is a tough act to follow. So now, of course, that brings us to the question of the day, which is next episode. Will- oh, is a two thousand is two thousand twelve Skyfall? Yes, and and will Skyfall be able to stand up to the juggernaut that is Casino Royale? Or will it fall prey to the classic classic Bond problem of sequels that suck? All right, well, join us next time for part 26 when we get to Skyfall. And now, of course, that means it is time for our year in the life segment. That is, of course, our segment where we go back a year in our Wayback Machine to those pre-Rona days. Those wonderful, wonderful pre-Rona days. You know what I can't wait for, Robert? When we're introducing the segment, we say, hey, remember a year ago when the Rona was around and it's not anymore? God, let's hope for that. <laughs> but for now, it's those pre-Rona days when we were in episode, what, 80, right? Yes. Forgot my dice, episode 80. Most pure moments of my entire life, we reviewed the Alien RPG. Oh, can we? can we do that game soon? Yeah, I, I I really want to run a Space Truckers game in that. That's the one I'm feeling, but I, it needs to have a source book to flesh it out. I don't know because the the Colonial Marines book for that is coming out. I'm I'm probably going to get it, but um yeah, I'm, I'm feeling I'm feeling the Space Truckers. I want to do the Nostromo. Yeah, so I I really like that system. I you know I've reread that book actually since then. I think I've reread it once, maybe, and then I reread the the. I did prep on the adventure like nine months ago i really like that system i think i cannot wait to play that i'm maybe when i'm done with impossible landscapes you should run hope's last day or whatever yeah i'm down i would totally run that for you yeah yeah i mean impossible landscapes is gonna take a while but yeah maybe we can get brian in on it i think brian might enjoy that one uh also we were talking about oh that was goldfinger How's the Goldfinger? Wow, <laughs> taking it back. Oh, how appropriate, considering there's a callback to Goldfinger in this with the uh, dead body. It's like we planned it that way. God, hey, that worked out real well. I was talking about uh, my cousin's book, Pizza Girl, apparently, at that point. Uh, and that was when I went on my Terry Jones marathon, because Terry Jones had just died. So, aw, it's been a year. I'm not happy what with a year. part of it. Yeah, he, he got out before the year got bad, you know? <sighs> Man, just in time, right? Yeah. He he knew something that we didn't, I guess. <laughs> An exit strategy? <laughs> yeah. Oh, this friggin' year, man. This friggin' year. <laughs> Just don't even know what to say anymore. Anyway, I'd still recommend all of his documentaries. Terry Jones, Hidden History of Egypt. Terry Jones, The Hidden History of Rome. Terry Jones, The Surprising History of Sex and Love. All good times. Terry Jones, Medieval Lives is a great documentary series. Terry Jones, good man miss him indeed agreed well that brings us to the end of our segment which means it's break time but when we get back it'll be time for our deep dive where we are going into really kind of appropriate given our wandavision discussion we're going to talk about some marvel champions be back in just a moment we love getting feedback so please let us know how we're doing by one of the following 
You can become our patron over at Patreon. Search for Forgot My Dice. We also have a Discord page where we organize games and chat about all sorts of stuff. Find the link on our website, ForgotMyDice.com. You can also message us or tweet at us on the Twitters. Find us at Forgot My Dice. And of course, you can email us at FMDPodcast2016 at gmail.com. Or you can head on over to our website, ForgotMyDice.com, where all of our episodes are available, plus game reviews and other content. If you like the show, the best way for more people to find out about us is to give us a review on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or Stitcher. Last of you, for those of you listening in the village, call the operator, give your number, and ask for us to be put on the rotation. Robert, this, this needs to stop. Listen, I'll, I'll make you a deal. I will not make any deals with you. I will not be pushed, filed, stamped, indexed, briefed, debriefed, or numbered. My life is my own. Oh, I'm going to cut his cord. And welcome back from the break. It is now time for our deep dive. Today we are deep diving Marvel Champions. Iron Man and Black Panther team up to stop Rhino from rampaging through the streets of New York. Captain Marvel and Spider-Man battle Ultron as he threatens global annihilation. Do you have what it takes to join the ranks of these legendary heroes and become a champion? Jump into the Marvel Universe with Marvel Champions, the card game. This game invites players to embody iconic heroes from the Marvel Universe as they battle to stop infamous villains from enacting their devious schemes. As a living card game, Marvel Champions is supported with regular releases of new products, including new heroes and scenarios. So, Jonathan, how do we play this game? All right, well, let's talk. So, first of all, you are going to see a lot of DNA in this game from several of the other LCGs uh, that uh, have recently been released by Fantasy Flight. Uh, I think it probably shares the most DNA with Arkham, but that said, it is very much its own uh, beast through and through. Uh, and one thing this game does really, really well is capturing the superhero feel and the uniqueness of each hero. Uh, and it does that with uh, cards, which is really cool. So let's talk about what you get. First thing you're going to do is select your hero. Now, when you select your hero, that's going to come with a certain amount of hit points. And uh, you're also going to get uh, a card that represents your alter ego and your hero. Because the one of the core tenets of the game is that you are flipping between your hero and your alter ego at all times, and those carry some different things with them. For instance, uh, when you play as Iron Man, uh, when you are Tony Stark, you have a hand size of six, but when you're Iron Man, you only have a hand size of one unless you have played out a bunch of suit upgrades for yourself, which help to uh, elevate the number of cards that you can hold in your hand as Iron Man. Gives you a real incentive to invest in your suit uh, as you go forward with him as a character. You get this nifty little hit point tracker that's got dials on it. So you set your hit points. Every hero has a different amount. Obviously, heroes like Hulk are going to come with more uh, more health than, uh, shall we say, tender heroes like uh, Tony, uh, who's relying on a suit for protection. You're going to select the first player. And the first card that you're going to pull out of the box, and there are a lot of cards in this game, and setup can be a little bit of a bear the first couple times as you get used to things and as you organize your set in a way that makes sense to you. Uh, the first card that you're going to set aside uh, is called Obligation, and every hero has a unique obligation. Uh, for instance, Peter Parker's is that uh, he gets an eviction notice, which is very Peter Parker. 
Tony Stark's, for instance, is that he starts to have business problems and these obligations are going to get shuffled into one of the bad guy decks, which we'll talk about shortly. Uh, then, based on the character that you choose, you are going to select your nemesis sets. Each character also comes with a unique nemesis that's just for them. Uh, you're going to then create your player deck. Now, there are several pre-built decks available to you in the core game, and additional sets that you buy also come with pre-built decks for those specific characters. But that said, this is where some of the legs of the game are really going to come in. Uh, your deck is going to be comprised of um, some unique cards that are specific to your hero. And then, uh, as you can with many of the LCGs that... Um, fantasy flight puts out you are going to get an opportunity to build out your deck using aspect cards and basic cards aspect cards come in four different flavors aggression justice leadership and protection and you can choose one aspect to put into your deck at any given time so basically um with the card quantity that you get for your deck and uh, a budget you have the opportunity to build out your deck of aspect cards that come with all the different expansions. So you get more and more choices the more time that goes by as, as you buy into the game. Then you're also going to flesh it out with some basic cards. Again, um, these are not identity specific. The aspect cards and the basic cards are going to come with a combination of abilities, uh, support stuff, and additional ally characters that are going to help you in your fight against the bad guys. There's a bunch of tokens that you're going to put out for counting different things like damage and uh, countdowns on specific cards. Uh, there's some uh, status effect cards that you're going to throw out. And then you're going to shuffle up your deck and you're going to create the villain deck. You start by selecting your individual villain, whoever it is that you're fighting against. And that villain is going to come with a, a um, basically a plot, a scheme, if you will, uh, that they are running. Um, your villain deck is going to have a bunch of different attack cards on it. Uh, you're going to combine that with your nemesis and your obligation. You're going to shuffle all that together, and that is going to form the basis of the um, encounter deck, which is something that you're going to draw from a lot in this game. Uh, additionally, there'll be a scheme that you set up. Uh, the scheme might have some specific items that change in the game uh, based on who you are fighting against. And then you're going to start playing and you start playing by drawing cards. Uh, and like I said, your hand size is going to be not only character dependent, but sometimes can change when your character moves into hero mode. Um, and then we're going to start our playing. Sound pretty good so far for setup? Yeah. So let's talk about uh, a basic turn. There is a first player. So the first player is going to take their turn. And what they are going to have an opportunity to do is a couple different actions. They can change form. You can only do that once in a turn. You can't be changing back and forth in an individual turn. Um, and when you change your form, that's going to give you some different things. Like, for instance, Iron Man cannot attack when he is in his alter ego. He cannot scheme uh, when he's in his alter ego. But what he can do is uh, have that larger hand size and start investing in his suit, right? Because he's tinkering, he's building, he's inventing. Makes sense. When you switch into Iron Man mode, suddenly your hand size gets compromised unless you've invested in your suit. But what you do gain is the ability to attack the villain and their schemes. So there's two basic kind of hit points in this. Um, the villain has hit points that you're trying to whittle away at to um, knock them out. And then the scheme is gaining hit points as the villain goes through their machinations, for lack of a better term. And you're also effectively trying to thwart 
their scheme building by removing threat from that scheme. So you have to balance out, am I attacking or am I removing threat? Because you can't do both, uh, generally speaking, unless you've really built out your character and you have to kind of manage the situation at hand. A couple of the other things that you can do is you can play an ally, an upgrade, or a support card from your hand. You can uh, do that by uh, using the economy in the game, and that is paying for cards with other cards. So in the upper left-hand corner of every card, there's going to be a cost. In the lower left-hand corner of every card in your deck, there are going to be um, resources. Uh, And those resources come in three different colors, mental, physical, and energy, blue, red, and yellow. And then there's going to be a green resource, which is wild. Now, you can use any resource for purchasing, any combination of resource for purchasing, but sometimes cards will have kickers that can only be used if you purchase them with the right kind of resource. Make sense so far? Yeah. Okay. So when you when you want to play an ally or an upgrade or a support card from your hand, you pay for it using those resources. So if you've got six cards in your hand, you might have to use two cards to purchase a card that you're going to put down on the table. And those cards that you use for the purchase go to discard. If you are your alter ego, you're also going to have the ability to do a basic recovery, uh, which lets you basically heal yourself up if you've taken damage. Or if you are in the hero mode, you're going to have the opportunity to attack or thwart. You're also going to be able to use the cards that you have purchased and put out onto the table. Each of them will have a unique thing that they do. You're going to be able to use your allies. You're going to be able to use your support. And then there are some cards in the game that are actions uh, and events, and those are triggered, basically, um, which a lot of it is your, your basic card game stuff, where you use it, you tap it. Some of them are single use, and they go instantly into the discard pile. And you're basically trying to create a stronger version of yourself in front of you so that you can start doing massive attacks because this is one of those games where the first couple rounds it seems impossible and then by the end of the game you're doing these massive massive combos that let you draw a bunch of cards and move through things and then pay for new stuff and and do combo 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 so that's kind of the basic gameplay loop there after you run out of things to do and there's no set amount of things that you can do as long as you can afford to do more things then do more things You're going to get to the end of your turn, and at the end of your turn, it's going to move to uh, the other player. Uh, Other players that are then going to do the exact same thing, and once you get to the end of that, you are going to have the ability to discard any number of cards down from your hand, uh, down to your hand size if need be. Uh, You're going to be able to draw cards from your decks to refill your hands, and then you're going to ready up all your cards for the next phase, which is the villain phase. So the first thing the villain's going to do is automatically add threat to their scheme, which means they're advancing their plot. So that's one of the reasons why you have to continuously manage how much threat has been placed on there. Uh, The villain's then going to activate once per player, along with any eligible minions that might be out on the board. So when they activate, you draw a card from the encounter deck, and in the lower right-hand corner, you're going to see these little icons that tell you if the villain is able to boost or not and basically you take the attack value of the villain any boosts that they have uh, as well as any upgrades that they might have gotten out on the board and that is how much they attack you with they only attack you if you're in your hero form if you're not in your hero form if you're in your alter ego rather than attack you they add more threat to the scheme 
minions kind of do the same thing. And then you also are going to go through one per player and deal an encounter card. And instead of using those encounter cards uh, for the boost items that are in the lower right-hand corner, you're instead going to read the text on that card and go through it however it is. 99% of them are bad, bad things that make life worse or harder for you. This is also where the minions are hanging out. So if one of them comes out, they attach themselves to you and then you have to deal with them as well as the, the bad guy. Uh, once you've done all that, then it goes back to the heroes. The player marker advances and you just do another round and it's round after round and after round. And I have to tell you, after a couple of rounds, you're going to get really good at this. And it's, it's a fast, fast, fast game. So and I, I got a little bit of a spoiler of this earlier, Jonathan, but uh, tell me about that rule book. There's a lot to like here in the rules. So first of all, the rules are split into two books. There is the learn to play book, uh, which is kind of like tutorial mode. And then there is the rules reference book, which will help you make sense of all the different keywords on the cards and whatnot. For the most part, the learn to play book is pretty good. Uh, laying out the board for the first time is great. It does a good job of explaining stuff. It does a really good job of explaining how to play the game. Where it falls apart is that it forgets to tell you some key, key rules that are hidden in the rules reference. One of them being very, very important, which is what do you do when you run out of cards? I had to go on the internet and do a search to figure out where in the rule book this rule was. And as it turns out, it's hidden on page six, which also has a reference to deal, which is on page five. And basically, it's a very important rule that when you run out of cards in your deck, you are allowed to shuffle them all back together and start drawing off them again. But it forces you to take another encounter card, uh, which can you know lead to some dire things. So maybe you don't want to run through your deck super quick. Additionally, there's a rule about accelerating the villain's ability to, to plot and scheme, and that occurs when their deck runs out and you need to shuffle it. Again, it's hidden on a completely different section of the rulebook, and it's just really frustrating. How could those two very important items not be in the basic how-to-play rules? It's really genuinely a head-scratcher. Generally, the rules reference is pretty good. It's got a good solid index in the back, but there's, like I said, there's a couple of terms that really should have been in the original rule book and are not necessarily a rules reference thing. If you wanted to include them in both places, that would have been fine too. That said, the rest of the rule book, pretty straightforward and pretty great. Uh, that frustration aside, the different steps are outlined really, really nicely. The starter decks for each hero are outlined in the back and also do a really good job of telling you kind of what how they're built. Um, which gives you some really good insight into the next section, which is where you do customized decks, uh, where, where frankly the game really gets its legs and, um, yeah, like customizing the deck is super, super easy. It's, uh, it's pretty fantastic. Like there's a really a lot to like in this game and it uses fantastic art and it really captures the comic book feel. So I've, I'm, I'm really enjoying this game. So speaking of the game, uh, how are the components because I'm looking at this at, uh, at Board Game Geek, and it's, it's just counters and cards. Like there's yeah, the, the counters are counters. Uh, everything's printed real nicely, cut real nicely. The cards are cards. Um, everything is, again, printed real nicely and exactly what you'd imagine it to be. Is there anything off in the execution, then? Nope, not a thing. The only thing that was off is just those, those perplexing few, what I would consider core rules that are left out of the learn-to-play. And what's the uh, recommended player count of this game? 
the the recommended on the boxes says one to four and honestly i've played it alone totally works i've played it with two players and i've played it with three players and it totally worked the same way it's one of those games that does a really good job of balancing because the hit points that are added to the enemy and the scheme are all based on how many players so like if rhino has a base health level of 12 then you do 12 times two for two players and 12 times three for three players yeah that's what uh board game geek says too like it's all over the place says the community voted one to three players is best and it's like what does i haven't that even tried mean? it before I haven't tried it before, so I couldn't say, but I can say that one through three all work really well. All right, Jonathan, and tell us one last thing you want to share about this game. I gave it the 13-year-old litmus test, which is to say that 13-year-olds can be very difficult to get engaged in a game because they have other things that they want to go do. And at first, I didn't feel like he was hooking into it until we got a couple rounds into the game and it clicked with him how it worked. And then all of a sudden, boom, he was flying with it. I saw a lot of the potential, but I also have all the background of the Arkham stuff. So I, I saw the DNA and I saw where it was going and I knew how it was going to be. But seeing Carlos click with it and and then just take off with it. And man, he was doing some amazing combos with Black Panther. It was awesome. <laughs> it's fantastic. Once you get humming with this game, especially when you start getting into the customizing of the decks, that's really where the meat in this game is. Go make yourself an awesome deck. Figure out how it is that you're going to attack every villain. Every villain is completely different, uh, which is great because that means that you have to use different tactics for each one. And that means that every every deck you make is going to be specific to that villain, which is exciting. It's fun. I really enjoy it. I really, really, really like this game. And I also really like playing it alone. Like it's a really good one player game. So it's uh, yeah, I there's a lot to like here and I have picked up a couple of the expansions and I can definitely say that they add a lot to the game. Yes. It's the classic LCG thing where they, there's that, that one bait card in every batch, uh, where it's like super powerful and you really, really want it for your deck customization. But I'll say that there are plenty of options available to you to be successful without the bait cards. Uh, get the expansions that you like. I got Hulk and Captain America so far. Uh, I do plan on getting some additional characters in the box are She-Hulk, uh, Black Panther, Iron Man, Spider-Man, and not Thor. Captain Marvel? Yes, Captain Marvel. I haven't played as Captain Marvel yet, but I've played as Spider-Man. He's great. I've played as Iron Man. He's great. I've watched Carlos play as Black, Black, blah, as Black Panther. And it's been a really, really positive experience on on all fronts. And each of the heroes feels really, really unique, which is super awesome. And it's, uh, yeah, the the support characters that you get to bring in are super fun as well. Mockingbird is in the the base decks. Uh, Hulk makes a guest appearance in the base decks. So, yeah, there's uh, quite a lot to like. All right. Well, that is Marvel Champions by Fantasy Flight Games. And it appears to have an MSRP of fifty nine ninety nine, and it's for the base out. game. Yeah, most yeah. of the expansions are fifteen bucks. Villain expansions are twenty bucks, and I think there's some big box expansions that are thirty bucks. Yeah, that's what I'm seeing here. So there you go. You can go out and get it right now. And one of the cool things is because you're making your own unique deck, this is a game that you can play online very easily. One person would have to run the villain, of course, uh, and and that deck, but. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you could make your own hero deck at home, and as long as the other person has the the nemesis, uh, you'd be in really, really good shape. Is that a hint, hint, nudge, nudge? 
I really like this. I mean, like if you like the Arkham Horror card game, then I think you'd really get a blast out of this. That is a hint, hint, nudge, nudge. Then I say no more. With you online, homie. Say no more. Say no more. Well, that brings us to the end of the deep dive, which means there's only one last thing to do, and that is, of course, Robert. Closing thoughts. What closing thoughts do you have at the end of episode 104? I'm just so happy to be playing Delta Green again. Yeah, that was super fun, man. It's it's the well I keep coming back to. This is the, I believe, well, you know fifth why. game of it I've ever run. You know why? Hmm. It's because it tastes so sweet. It's so good. It's so good. <laughs> uh, I just love conspiracy horror. Delta Green's where it's at. I love it so much. I need to listen to that old episode again, where you and I first start talking on the internet. I don't even remember what episode of the old show that was. I don't even know if it's online anywhere. It's not. No, the website's gone. You said you had them all somewhere, unless you got rid of them. Uh, I think they're sitting on the other computer. There you go. Yeah, man. Delta Green. Delta Green's so much fun. <laughs> I can't wait for the next book I'm going to get to. Uh, the next adventure book that I want to run. Uh, the same guy who did Impossible Landscapes did it. And in, instead of being Yellow King based, it's about the uh, great race of Yith, who are time travelers. And that could be interesting. Very tiny wine again. I got to go rat the tat tat Yeah, yeah, you shot an old zombie lady a lot. Oh, man, it was fun, too. <laughs> I like the reaction I-, I got when she leapt out of the <laughs> out of it. Every, everybody had a collective, like, ah! <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, yeah, my, my, my character didn't even, st- you know, didn't even skip a heartbeat. It was like, oh, that's bad. Crap, back, 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 back. <laughs> Ah, good times. Can't wait to talk about it again next time. It's going to be so much fun. Oh, indeed, indeed. Well, I guess that means that there's only really one thing left, Robert, and that is uh, be excellent to one another and party on. Party on, Jonathan. Scary old naked zombie lady. You should have helped me! The music you heard in this podcast was Intro by Elifiel. Additional music was provided by Brian Winkleman. Funding for the Forgot My Dice podcast was provided by our supporters on Patreon. Thank you. 